Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. talk to you about the times of refreshing. The Bible literally talks about the Holy Ghost being refreshing for your spirit. Yes. So has everyone made it to Acts 2.38? Put your finger there, and then we're going to go to Acts 3.19. Sorry if I'm confusing you. So we're going to start at Acts 3.19. It says, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. So where do the times of refreshing come from? Presence. presence of the Lord. Okay, so now let's go back to Acts 2.38. Acts 2.38 says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It doesn't say you might, you shall. So, do you see the resemblance between those two scriptures? Both of them start out with repenting, right? Yes. Acts 2 then goes on to say to be baptized. Acts 3 says to be converted. Acts 2 says for the remission of your sins. And Acts 3 says that your sins may be blotted out. Yes. See how that's similar? And then for the part that I'm actually focusing on today, Acts 2 says, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And Acts 3 refers to it as times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. So this time of refreshing that Paul is talking about here is the presence of the Holy Ghost. Your spirit will be refreshed when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within you. As Peter preached his second gospel sermon, he called on his audience to repent. He was saying, Turn away from your sin. He told them to be converted, meaning to turn away from their ways and to turn to God. And then he promised them if they would do those things, that their sins would be blotted out or that their sins would be forgiven and forgotten. He then continues with another promise saying that times of refreshing would come from the presence of the Lord. This morning in our Refresh series, I want to focus on what Paul was really talking about when he said that the times of refreshing would come. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you would speak through me this morning, and that you would show us revelation in your word. God, I pray that you would bring times of refreshing to this church, so that we may experience you deeper than we ever have before. Help us not to misinterpret your word, but to see it for how it was written. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Has anyone, uh, I'm sure you all have, ever been active outside during a hot, humid day like today? Yeah. And you become very thirsty. Yeah. yeah? And then you grab an ice-cold glass of water that's dripping wet, and you take a drink, just like this. That's refreshing, right? Yeah. Paul was talking about a spiritual refreshing of your soul 
when God fills you with his spirit. It's so refreshing to your soul because just like your body was longing for that cold glass of water, your spirit longs for God's spirit. And when you are filled, you will feel so much emotion and a joy that's unspeakable. So besides feeling this intense presence of God and feeling refreshed with God's spirit, why else would Christians want the Holy Ghost? You see, the Apostle Paul writes to the church in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 through 5. He says, Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. You see, you're praying for things you didn't even know you needed prayer for. I have a friend who says he doesn't like to pray for himself because he feels selfish. He's um, praying and edifying himself. But we as Christians need that just as we need prayer from one another. And when you pray in tongues, you're literally praying and edifying yourself with mysteries or things that you did not even know you needed prayer for. Verse 3 goes on to say, But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. You see, there's a difference between the unknown tongue and the tongue that prophesies and edifies the church. The unknown tongue is the evidence of you having the Holy Ghost, whereas the tongue that prophesies is one of the gifts of the Spirit. And that's where a lot of people get confused there. So Paul says to them, He who speaks in tongues edifies himself. He says, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. So with these positive statements about tongues, why do so few Christians speak in tongues? I believe the answer is because there's very little sound, logical teaching about the value of speaking in tongues in the American church. So we have established that speaking in an unknown tongue edifies you. The word edify means to build up. Mm -hmm. Or today we could refer to it as rehydrate. Mm -hmm. We all need spiritual rehydration. All of us at times feel spiritually empty. One of God's ways to hydrate your spirit is through speaking in tongues to edify yourself, to build yourself up. Many people inaccurately define speaking in tongues as speaking gibberish or talking nonsense But the truth is, speaking in tongues is the most intelligent, perfect language in the universe. Because it's God's language. You see, the Greek word for tongue is translated as into language. It literally means language. So what language do you suppose people speak in heaven? Or what language do you think God speaks? Languages are given their name based on their origin, right? So for example, English comes from England. Spanish comes from Spain. Mm -hmm. Italian comes from Italy. Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? So where does this unknown tongue come from? It comes from heaven. Mm -hmm. Tongue is the heavenly language. I believe that is what is spoken in heaven. The only difference is that people in heaven understand what they are saying. And here on earth, Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 2, he says, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. 
So it's not, so it is your personal language with God that prays for things that you did not know you even needed prayer for. Right, right. Mark 16, verses 15 says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. <coughs> he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. You see that? New tongues. New tongues. Meaning a new language. Uh-huh. So not English, uh-huh. not Italian, not Spanish, right. but a new tongue. Yeah. An unknown tongue. Right. A tongue that only God knows. Yes. Right. That's good. Verse 18 says, They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. This is the power that I'm talking about yes. in Acts 1, verses 5 through 8, where God's power was poured out. Right. It says in Acts 1, verses 5 through 8, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore came, were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Yes. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem yes. and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Yes. That's the power I'm talking about. Yes. Power yes. to heal the sick. Yes. Power to cast out devils. Yes. Power to speak in a new tongue. Yes. The word new means appearing for the first time. No one had spoken these languages before. Contrary to bad theology, tongues is not an ability given to preach the gospel in a language of foreigners. Why? Because this word makes tongues, that would make it an old language, right. not a new language. It's only appropriate that new tongues should be spoken by those of the new birth, and that's talked about in your Bible. Yes. It is natural and normal to speak in the language of your birth. Yes. See that? Yes. That's good right there. Yes, it is. <laughs> John, John, 3, John 3, verses 3 through 6 says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb? And be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Yes. Cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Yes. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So I said it's natural to speak the language of your birth. If you are born again by God's Spirit, it's natural to speak His language. Yes. When we are born again from above, we should be speaking the language from above. Yes. The language is what the Bible refers to as speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Yes. Amen. The first to speak in tongues were the disciples. This occurred on the day of Pentecost. People often think that on this day the disciples were speaking human languages because the people could only understand because the people could actually understand what they were saying. However, I don't believe this is true because there was a twofold miracle that took place on this day. The miracle of tongues and the miracle of understanding the heavenly language. So let me show you that in Acts 2, verses 1 through 19. 
It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Where were they? They were in one place, right? And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Mm-hmm. So who were filled with the Holy Ghost? Everyone there. They all were. Yeah. And they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. So imagine people from every nation under heaven, every kind of language in this room today. Okay, that's what you have to remember. Now, when this was noise abroad, meaning the tongues, the multitudes came together and they were confounded. They were perplexed. They were in awe because that every man heard them speak in his own language. His own language. You've got to remember there is at least 13 different languages of people with different 13 different languages going on here. But they each heard them in their own language. Every man from every nation could hear all the disciples in his own language. Not one or two of the disciples, but all of them. So imagine we have people from every nation, every tongue in this room, and 12 guys are speaking in a heavenly language, and everyone can understand them in their native tongue. They were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? Referring to the disciples. And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. And then it goes on to list Paratheans, Medias, Elamites, and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and the parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. They're just amazed. They're like, how do we hear them all? How do all of us hear them in our own language? How do we all understand them? So it's clear that the disciples were not preaching the gospel in tongues. They were instead declaring the wonderful works of God. They were not speaking to men because not everyone spoke in the same tongue, but they were speaking to God. The people were simply listening in on their praises to God. Verse 12 says, They were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? You see, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking and interpreting the heavenly language. The Bible goes on to say that there were others who did not receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It says, Others mocking them said, These men are full of new wine, meaning these men are drunk and are just speaking gibberish. Verse 14, it says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. It wasn't until this moment when Peter stood up to speak to the crowd in one common language that the gospel was preached. So tongues are not supernatural human language given to the apostles so that they could preach in languages they did not naturally learn. That's a misinterpretation. Verse 15 says, For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. 
meaning it was like 8 or 9 in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days. Are we in the last days? Yes. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Does it say some flesh? No. It says all flesh. Yes. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. You see, the first miracle was speaking in tongues. The second miracle was enabling of them to understand the tongues. The disciples were not speaking human languages. They were speaking in an unknown tongue. But God enabled those who, were, who had their hearts open to the Spirit to understand what the disciples were saying. And that's the gift of interpretation and what Paul speaks about to the church in Corinth. This experience is what, um, what John the Baptist and Jesus called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This was the fulfillment of Jesus' promise in Acts 1, verses 5, where he says, In a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Every Christian believes in baptizing in water, but few accept the baptism, the better baptism, in the Holy Spirit. So since you are willing to be baptized in water, shouldn't you also be willing to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? The Bible clearly teaches that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a separate experience, but it's all part of salvation. The story of the Samaritan plainly proves this, In Acts 8, verses 13 through 19, it says, Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who then, or who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet... He was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. You see, he could tell something was changed. He he could sense the power. There was definitely something going on there. It wasn't just, I believe in Jesus, and bam, you receive the Holy Ghost. That's not how it works. So you see, when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, they were baptized, both men and women. The people joyfully accepted the gospel and got baptized in Jesus' name. Yet despite despite the fact that they believed and got baptized with water, Philip called for the apostles to come and pray for them that they would receive the Holy Spirit. It's clear from this story that it's important to not only believe and get baptized, but it's also important to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Another biblical story illustrates this fact. Acts 19, 1-7 says, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? You see, Paul met some disciples of John the Baptist. He knew they were believers of the Lord Jesus, 
because they talk so much about repentance. Paul, unaware that they were only disciples of John, he, he knew something was missing. And so he asked them the obvious question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they were first repented through John's um, baptism of repentance. And then Paul was telling them, you need to do more. Mm -hmm. You need to go and get baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. I think Jordan will be hitting on that in a couple weeks. But when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about 12. So he didn't just have them go and get baptized. He also laid his hands on them to receive the Holy Ghost. Yes. What would be the point if it wasn't needed? Right. Right. You see, the fact that Paul even had to question if they had to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost proves that Paul, including the early church, believed that it was possible to be a believer in Jesus yeah. without having received right. the Holy Spirit. Right. Right. If receiving the Holy Spirit was an automatic conversion, then why did Paul ask the question, right. did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Right. You see, because... They didn't have the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Believing is just the beginning, but there's more to it than that. I've always gone to an apostolic church that has taught the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and that's why I was filled at an apostolic altar at a young age. I didn't know what I was doing. I knew of the Holy Ghost, and I knew you're supposed to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. When I was praying at an altar, I was reminded that I needed to repent, turn away from my sins, and I then just started telling God how much I loved Him and needed Him and wanted Him out loud. You have to speak in order for God to alter your language. A baby doesn't just start speaking, they start mumbling and talking gibberish at first, and soon all of a sudden, they start saying words. If you're praying out loud and seeking God, His Spirit will overwhelm you and you will start speaking the heavenly language just like I did at a young age. But you have to be speaking, otherwise God cannot alter your tongue. I didn't fake any of that when I was young. I wouldn't even have known how to. But God saw a willing, faithful heart and filled me with His Spirit. Amen. I think he also did uh, the same at family camp. I don't remember the exact numbers, but there was quite a few. 33. I thought it was over 30. But 33 received the gift of the Holy Ghost and with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. That's awesome. Praise God. You see, the physical proof of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the same evidence that the disciples had, which is speaking in tongues. You may have other evidence as, as well, but the one evidence you should have yes. is speaking in tongues. Yes. There are four examples that I could find in the Bible of people actually receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit for the first time. The first one's in Acts 2, verses 4. It says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
Acts 8, 17 through 19 says, Then laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. Acts 10, 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Acts 19, verses 6. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. So you see, out of three out of these four examples, we are told that the specific sign of speaking in other tongues occurred. In the other example, the manifestation of physical signs taking place um, are more implied, but not really mentioned. It doesn't go into that they were speaking in tongues. But we are told in the three, these three examples that certain physical manifestation took place. In each case, more than one physical sign took place, yet there's one sign and only one sign that was common to all three. Right. The standard sign of, this, of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. Yeah. Speaking in tongues is the physical, biblical evidence that someone is baptized into the Holy Spirit. Yes. We should not settle for anything less than the scriptural evidence. We should not settle for anything less than what God has to offer. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit or you need a refresh of the Holy Spirit, seek God about it and pray for it in faith. God never lets a thirsty soul go dry. Someone may say, how can you say that all Christians should speak in tongues considering the apostles' words in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 30? He asks, the question, do all speak in tongues? And the reason I'm referring to this is because this is what I've come at, people have come at with me, to me is, and, and what they use to back up why you don't have to speak in tongues. But in this passage, you have to read it in its context. Paul is talking about public ministry of the gifts that are manifested in the church. Right. He's not talking about tongues as the initial sign of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, right. nor is he talking about tongues as a private devotional prayer language. You can recognize this simply by looking at the language that Paul uses concerning speaking in tongues. In this, in this chapter, he calls speaking in tongues different kinds of tongues. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 10. To another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, diverse kinds of tongues to another, the interpretation of tongues. And then verse 28, And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles and gifts of healing helps government diversities of tongues. Different kinds means not the usual. The usual kind of speaking in tongues is the language that no man understands. However, speaking in different kinds It's just different languages that people already understand. So when Paul asks the question, do all speak in tongues, he is referring to the public manifestation of tongues, which enables a person gifted in interpretation to speak out the meaning of the tongue. Not all have been given the gift of different kinds of tongues. In the 14th chapter of the the Apostle Paul, 
um, Paul corrects the misuse of tongues in the church. He told them to stop the practice. That was verse 23 of the 14th chapter. He says, If therefore the whole church be come together into one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, they will not say that you are... Um, he asked the question, Will they not say that you are mad? Notice carefully that the whole church was gathered and that everyone was speaking in tongues. So this clearly shows us that everyone in the Corinthian church was speaking in tongues. Most of them should have allowed those gifted in the different kinds of tongues to exercise their gift. And the rest should simply, in verse 28, Paul says, keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and God. Because it's a language between you and God. He was telling them this because he was addressing the church and did not want everyone to disrupt the service. Why? Because they could all speak that heavenly language. But they didn't all have the gift of different tongues that could be interpreted to edify the church. They were speaking the heavenly language, which only edifies themselves. Mm -hmm. So as you can imagine, if we were to just constantly pray really loud in tongues because we're so happy that God gave us his spirit, not only would it be disruptive to the rest of the service, but nobody would get anything out of the service. And visitors, like it says, would come in and think we're mad. Or we're crazy. This is why Paul addresses the church in this passage with these words and tells them in verse 39, Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. He tells them if they really want to speak in other tongues, desire it and ask God for that gift. And not to speak in the, and, and not to speak in the heavenly language during services as it disrupts the service. Right. Verse 40, he says, let all things be done decently and in order. Meaning, there are times to do that and times not to. But during the service, you need to be quiet so that everyone can get something out of the service. It needs to be done decently and in order. Paul also says earlier in this chapter when he is telling them all to keep quiet, unless you have the gift of tongues, um, he says in verse 18 through 19, he says, I thank my God... I speak with tongues more than you all. Meaning he speaks that heavenly language more than anyone in the church. Yet in the church, you see it as separate. Yet in the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding that my voice, or that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. So there it is again, an unknown tongue. You see, he clearly makes the distinction between the two, and he states that he speaks that heavenly language more than all of you. Yes. Why? Because he understands the importance of it. He also understands that there's a time and a place for it as well, though. Right, right. That's good. I hope this has helped someone. I encourage you to seek the scriptural evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and to settle for nothing but the best. I'll be closing. Um, I wanted to do a few more scriptures. Isaiah 44, verse 3 says, For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. If you are thirsty for more of God, if you want to see miracles, if you want to see his power working in you, 
He is willing to pour it out onto you. Yes, yes, yes. John 7, verses 37 through 39 says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. If you are thirsty, I encourage you to come and drink. Yes. Yes. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. You see, God was not yet glorified. People did not realize that Jesus was God in flesh. And so his Spirit, the Holy Ghost, was not given until after he was ascended back into heaven and was glorified for being God. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I invite you to start praying and seeking God, seeking more of Him. Yes. Believing, believing is not enough. Baptism in water is not enough. Lord, I want more of you. Yes, Jesus. I am thirsty. Yes, Jesus. If you already have the Holy Ghost, start praying that He will give you the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Yes. There are different kinds of tongues. Yes. There are diff- I mean, different time, kinds of gifts of the Holy Spirit. But the Bible only speaks of the one true evidence which is speaking in tongues. 1 Corinthians 12, 4-11 says, There are different kinds of gifts, but they are all given to believers by the same Spirit. There are different ways to serve, but they all come from the same Lord. There are different ways the Spirit works, but the same God is working in all these ways and in all people. The Holy Spirit is given to each of us in a special way. And that is for the good of all. To some people, the Spirit gives a message of wisdom. To others, the Spirit gives a message of knowledge. To others, the Spirit gives faith. To others, that one Spirit gives gifts of healing. To others, He gives the power to do miracles. To others, He gives the ability to prophesy. To others, He gives the ability to tell the spirits apart. And to others, He gives the ability to speak in a different kind of language and, and to speak in different kinds of languages they had not known before. And to still others, he gives the ability to explain what was said in those languages. All of the gifts are produced by the one Spirit, and that same Spirit, he gives gifts to each person, just as he decides. So if you already have the evidence of speaking in tongues, pray for wisdom. Pray for knowledge. Pray for faith. Pray for the gift of healing the sick. Pray for the ability to do miracles. Pray for the ability to prophesy. Pray for the ability to tell spirits apart. Yes. To be able to speak in a different kind of language that you do not know so that you can prophesy to people who do not speak your native tongue. Right. And pray for the gift of interpretation. Yes. I want to see Lifespring be a place where His gifts are used mightily. Yes. I want to see His miracles and wonders yes. here. Just as the name implies, I want Life Spring to be a river of living water yes, yes, flowing around this city. Right. If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. If this refresh series has made you thirstier for more things of God, I pray that you would diligently seek his face. Yes. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you seek him this morning, if you pray out loud and ask God to fill you, he will reward you. Yes. He will fill you with joy unspeakable. 
Let Him fill you with His everlasting love. Today is the day of salvation. Jesus, you are welcome here. Yes, yes. Jesus, come and fill this place. Yes, Jesus, I want more of you. Yes, Lord. Jesus, I need you. Yes, Jesus. I want you to fill me with your spirit, Lord God. Yes. If I'm not speaking in tongues currently, Lord God, I want to be speaking in yes, tongues. Yes, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, I want the evidence, Lord God. I am not satisfied, Lord, with just believing in you. I am not satisfied until I feel your spirit all over me, Jesus. Lord, your overwhelming spirit, your unspeakable joy, Lord God. Lord, I want you, Lord Jesus. You are welcome here, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. Jesus, as the music plays, I want you just to seek God. Jesus, you are welcome here. We invite you into this place, Lord God. We invite you into our body, into our temple, Lord. Lord Jesus, so that we can be witnesses unto you, Lord Jesus. So that we can reach this city, Lord God. So that we can fill this this city, Lord God, with your spirit. Lord God, that people will see us. They will see something that's different, just like how they saw the apostles. Lord God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would do miracles through us. Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, that your spirit would fall like never before. Lord God, you are still doing miracles. Lord God, you are still healing. Jesus, you are my comforter. Jesus, you are welcome here. Lord God, come and flood this place. Fill this atmosphere with your presence, God. Lord Jesus, I lift you up, God. I lift you up, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. If you want to speak with new tongues, if you want the gift of the Holy Ghost, you have to open up your mouth. You have to speak and tell God how much you love Him. You have to repent. Jesus, I'm sorry, Lord God, for any sin that I have. Lord God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would cover it in your blood. Lord Jesus, I pray, Lord God, that you would wipe my slate clean. Lord Jesus, I will turn away from those sins because I want to be more like you, God. Jesus, I lift you up. Hallelujah, Jesus. Seek him right now, Jesus.